You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Here's your host, Tia McNelly. Welcome to season two, episode 30 of The Collected Podcast. It is our final episode of this season, and it is our second anniversary. As always, I am joined by our producer and co-host, Jess Biondo. Hi, Jess. Hey, Tia. Good to be back. Good to yes, see you. Yes, how are you? I'm good. I can't believe we've been at it for two years now with the podcast, and I'm very excited um, to kind of reflect today yeah. and talk about some things God has taught us over the past two years. Well, you are a producer extraordinaire, and you had a wonderful idea for this week's episode. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you had in mind and why we decided to to skip the guest this week? Yes. Yeah. So this time last year, almost to the day, we were on a women's retreat with an amazing group of women from New Song Church in the mountains, and it was such a powerful time. Holy Spirit moved in incredible ways. And we thought such big things were ahead for us with retreats in 2020. Yep. Big things were ahead in 2020. It just didn't involve <laughs> retreats. And so we were nope. reflecting on where we're at now and realized the last retreat we did was the one a year ago in the mountains. And mm. um, I was just reading through the content of what we shared at that retreat and realizing still how fresh it feels and how powerful it is for where we are today. Um, oh, yeah. Especially in dealing with hope versus hopelessness and definitely remembering who we are in the Lord and all of these very foundational mm-hmm. beliefs of collected and I believe mm-hmm. of the body of Christ. And so we thought, what a great way to round out our second year. And just to give you this content from that retreat, um, as our podcast yeah. family, we wanted to share this with you free of charge, no retreat necessary. Um, <laughs> In a very condensed version. <laughs> yes. So normally this would be a, you know, a three day event, but I've just pulled one section of something that I feel like God laid on my heart to reshare. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I hope it, it encourages you today. I hope you learned something new. And um, uh, should we just dive right into it? Dive in. This is such good stuff. Okay, I hope so. So here we go. Um, so I'm sharing today from 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 13. So at this time, David is king of Israel. He's taken over after Saul. And Saul had one son named Jonathan, who was David's best friend. And so at this point in the story, David comes to his advisors and says, is there no one left from Jonathan's family that I can honor? Uh, Which that in itself was a very odd request, because typically in this time in the ancient Near East, when a new king came to power, he would destroy everyone from the past king's family because they would be considered a threat. The old dynasty would 
if they were still alive, would be conspiring to rise up and try and regain control for their family. So typically in this culture, the old dynasty would have been completely destroyed. So the fact that David is reaching out to want to honor uh, Jonathan's family, if there is any remaining, is already culturally very different and and shows David's heart for the father. Um, and so it turns out there is someone still alive, and it's Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. I practiced that many times in preparation to say it live on air. Um, <laughs> when we're first introduced to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth <laughs> see, in chapter 9, it's not the first time we've actually heard of him. Back in 2 Samuel 4 is the first time we see him. Um, and in 2 Samuel chapter 9, it's mentioned that he is Jonathan's son and that he's lame. He's crippled in both of his feet. But in 2 Samuel 4, 4, we see that he wasn't born lame. When he was five years old, that's when the news broke about the deaths of Saul and Jonathan. And so at that time, Mephibosheth's nurse picked him up and fled with him to try and spare his life because she was afraid he would also be killed. And in her hurry to leave, she fell and dropped him, and that's when he became disabled. So at five years old, he loses his family— they're all killed and he becomes disabled. And his disability, as I was thinking about it, I feel like that would have been a constant reminder of all that he lost. Um, he, totally. he lost it in this journey to flee. And it's a constant reminder that he no longer belonged to the royal family. So he's the last living relative of Saul. He has this disability, and he's living, we learn in, ch in chapter 9, in a town called Lodabar, which is also very significant. Dabar literally means um, word or thing, and lo is a negative prefix meaning no. So he's literally living in a place called no thing, no word. Word in the Bible is often um, very symbolic of life. So he's living in a place mm. called no life, which— <laughs> The land of nothing. The land of nothing. <laughs> um, and so I feel like that's very spiritually significant that Mephibosheth yeah. found himself in a place of no hope or no life. Mm. And it's in this place that he was called by David to come to the palace and to eat at the king's table. So wow. he's living in this land of des desolation and hopelessness, and he's called out of it. Um, so I want to just pause here in the story and make this relevant to us today of what are some low day bars in our lives? Mm. I mean, I think first come like fear, shame, mm -hmm. um, blame, regret, any lies you're believing of the devil about who yep. you are. Um, totally. I think, yeah, any hopelessness. Our situations, like our circumstances. Yeah, hopelessness and circumstances. That's yeah. what I was thinking of. Um, yeah. I mean, 2020 could right? be just a general <laughs> low day bar. Exactly. Um, and yet, it's in this place that we're called to the king's table. Um, and the contrast there is the king's table means you are 100% cared for. You're untouchable mm -hmm. by the things of the world. You are protected. Mm -hmm. You are provided for. Um, 
It's complete truth, complete love, complete hope. And that's what we're called to, just like Mephibosheth. Yeah. Yeah. And often the battle is in that place between here, like where where you teeter between the two, where I can get sucked back into shame and blame and fear, but I know I'm called for the king's table and I know who I am in him and I know his promises. And yet it's so easy to find myself sucked back into the low day bars that that I struggle with. Yeah. Um, and so, so true. Yeah. So um, let's see. So kind of thinking about that, I was drawn back to Psalm 23, which is a very common psalm. I feel like it's quoted a lot, and I'll, I'll read through it in a second in case um, you don't know which one I'm referring to. But it talks about this, this valley being in a low day bar. And um, this psalm was written by King David, who is also who we're discussing from 2 Samuel. And so I want to take just a couple minutes and read through this and highlight a few things that I feel like are really, really um, pertinent for us today. So Psalm 23, um, let's see, 4, 5, and 6 is where we're looking today. So it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the first thing that stands out to there is walk through. Um, David here is a Mm -hmm. shepherd, he was a shepherd. Now he's king. And yet scholars believe that he wrote this when he was already king and he had been a shepherd and he wasn't ashamed of where he came from. He wasn't ashamed that he was a lowly shepherd earlier in his life and said he's drawing from that and gaining wisdom from that. And that shaped him and prepared him for the greater things that God had for him. So a little side note to not let positions that feel lowly in your life um, define you because they could be the very training ground setting you up for whatever God has for you next. Amen. Um, That's good. A little bonus word for you there. Um, <laughs> so, so he's, so David's writing from a point of view of a shepherd. And so here, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, under the shepherd's leading, we may walk through dark places, but it's not supposed to be our dwelling place. It's not where we stay. It's not where we set up camp. And so if you Mm -hmm. feel like you've been walking through darkness lately, I want to encourage you that it's not the final destination, that it's something you are walking through and you will get through it one way mm-hmm. or another. Um, and that you just could, encouraged me with that word today, yes. didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you will get through it too. That's um, right. Better days are coming. Better days are coming. And I, yeah, just let that encourage you. And it says, yeah. I will fear no evil for you mm-hmm. are with me. So walking through with the Lord doesn't eliminate the evil. Mm-hmm. You know, King David here doesn't say... There will be no evil. He says, I will fear no evil, implying that there is evil present, but that it's not something we need to fear because we have power over it um, Mm -hmm. through the Lord. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table, table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare. He's done the work for us. It's Mm -hmm. already been done. The table is set. We have to simply believe that we belong there, that we have a place at the table 
just like Mephibosheth had to believe he had a place at King David's table, um, even though he felt like his disability eliminated him from his place. He felt like um, his, you know, his birthright had been taken away because his family had been killed and they had lost control of the palace. So all these things happened that made Mephibosheth believe the lie that he no longer believed at the king's table. And yet David Mm. set the place for him and gave him a hundred percent of the rights of the royal family. Um, And so we see that here that God prepares the table for us in the presence of our enemies. It goes on to say, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Again, this is a a picture of protection. Even the midst of our enemies, we're secure and we're provided for. And not only that, but the cup overflows. So there's abundance and richness when we seek the Lord, even in the presence of our enemies, even when we feel like we're being defeated and cut down, there's still abundance Mm-hmm. in the promises of the Lord. Even if yeah, we can't feel so them true. or see them in that moment, they're still there. Um, Shirley, Can good- I tell... A- oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Isn't, you're not done. I want to tell a story about believing that you belong when you're done with the song. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. One more verse. It says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And in the Old Mm. Testament world, to eat and drink at one's table created a bond of mutual loyalty and represented a lasting covenant. And so the Lord preparing this table for us and setting it before us and inviting us to partake in His abundance, Mm. it's an outpouring of His great love for us, but it's also an act of a covenant, a promise with us where he's already done the work and we get to partake and we get to participate. And it's a promise that will never leave that yeah. lasting covenant um, with him. So I, I that just really That's encouraged beautiful. me today. Um, oh man. Yeah. So yeah, it reminds, me, your story. So, it reminds me so much of um, a couple of years ago. It was almost next month. It'll be two years ago. Um, my best friend, Krista Blaylock, who's the founder of Flourish Kenya, had signed up for uh, to have like a promotional table for her nonprofit at the Abound Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And I started looking into it and noticed that a lot of hope writers were going and that some of my very favorite authors and speakers were going to be presenting. And I got so excited about it. And I was like, Krista, I'm going to come help you run in the table. And then um, someone found out that I was going to be there who lives in Nashville and said, I have family circumstances that have come up and I can no longer attend, but I have a VIP ticket. Would you like to have my VIP ticket? And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You mean I can go and like have conversations with all these people that I look up to and would love to be, you know, I would love to be in their shoes one day presenting at a conference like this. And, um, you know, can I can... Um, go early and stay late and even have a special seat at tables down on the ground floor where the stage was because it was like stadium seating. And um, when the day came and it was time for me to go take my seat at the table on the floor, there were very few people who had already gone to these round tables that were set up almost on the stage, so to speak. And they were for the presenters and and people who had bought the very pricey VIP tickets. And so 
I was so nervous because I didn't know who I was going to be sitting with. I didn't know if anybody else was going to go down there. And I just felt this like Holy Spirit nudge to go, just go and sit at one of these tables. And so I did. And I found myself sitting next to Allie Worthington and Hannah Brencher was at our table and Marshawn Daniels was next to us and Jess Connolly and Renee Swope. A lot of the guests we've had on our show actually now, um, and I, I was just surrounded by these women that I believe to be such powerful women of God. And I felt like a total imposter. I did not feel like I belonged at that table. And I just heard God come and whisper in my ear, Tia, I set this place at the table for you. Believe you belong. And that's exactly what you were just talking about, Jasmine. You said the words believe that you belong at the king's table. I was like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. I have to throw that story in. We have to believe that God has prepared the way for us. He promised me at the beginning of um, this adventure we call Collected that if I will just do what he says one step at a time, it will become something that we cannot think of yet, mm. that he'll continue to adapt it and change it and transform it into exactly what he wants it to be for the good of his people and for his glory. So anyhow, carry on with your message. No, that is so good. And I love that you brought up to the the early foundations of Collected. Yes. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, this whole ministry was in a sense birthed out of a time when you were in a low day bar season yeah. of struggling with some yeah. hopelessness, of feeling pulled in a million directions. Um, I was wondering, kind of interview yeah. you for a moment, um, yeah. if you would refresh us just on how this whole thing started and the whole absolutely. concept of collected, because it kind of came out of a season like this. Yes, absolutely. I would I would love to share that. Um, really quick before I jump into that story, I want to talk about this transition Um moving from Lode Bar to the King's table and this middle space you talked about. Yeah. And I think that we can we can it can be kind of a jarring shift. You know, I think about Mephibosheth and how self-conscious he must have been and how out of place he probably felt like I did sitting at that VIP table. Um but it really plays out in every part of our lives when we think about moving from like the natural earthly things that we tend to think about and dwell on and exist in, um, and then moving over to the heavenly realm, the kingdom of heaven and, and the king's table, this the supernatural realm, so to speak. Mm. Um, you know, I think that that the transformative element, the thing that moves us from here to there is Christ, yeah. right? It's, it's ho- the Holy Spirit in us that is transformational. And that in-between space is basically what we what we carry, is what our awareness of what we carry is what brings us from one place, the things of of this earth to another place, focused on the things of heaven. Mm-hmm. So I remember last year at our retreat, we did like an interactive um activity where we had like three columns on a table and we walked through, okay, what is one of these low day bar places where we can find ourselves? And what does Christ add to that to bring us to something that is of the kingdom realm, of the kingdom of heaven? And so think about like desperation, Mm -hmm. low day bar, the land of nothing. It feels so desperate. Well, Christ adds to that hope. 
And then we find at the king's table, we have peace in every circumstance. When we find that we're feeling defeated, what we carry is destruction over every enemy by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And so the kingdom of heaven says we have victory and justice. Mm -hmm. If we're constantly distracted by the things of this earth, Christ brings vision and direction into our lives. And suddenly we find when we have a kingdom mindset, we're very focused and we're living with great intention. And even on the most fundamental level, sin, you know, Low day bar is a place of sin that I don't know a more hopeless place than feeling stuck in sin. But Christ brings forgiveness and freedom. And then at the king's table, we get to dwell in righteousness. I think comparison, comparison mm. is another big one. A big low day bar place where people can actually experience a lot of these other things like desperation and defeat and distraction. Yeah. But what Christ brings is a kingdom perspective. And then at the king's table, we get to celebrate. Instead of comparing ourselves, we can celebrate what the other person has or what they're like and how God created us and all that He's given us. So we move from comparison to celebration when we add a kingdom perspective. The list goes on and on. And guys, I think what I want to do is just offer this as like a printable for you. And you can look at all these different ways that that we move from the things of earth to the things of heaven. Um, I think one that's pretty prevalent right now in 2020 for a lot of us is loneliness. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be a pretty lonely place in Lodebar. And when we carry Christ, we carry His very presence. And so that means that at the King's table, we always have fellowship. And I know that that's kind of kitschy. Like that can be a little bit cheesy to think that, oh, well, Jesus is always with you. But guys, He is. And when we are lonely, if we can call on that awareness of the presence of Christ with us in every situation, we always have fellowship. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that maybe even opens us up to finding fellowship with others as well. Um, and the final one, I mean, just want to always bring it back around to the gospel. In Lodebar, there's death, but we carry resurrection power, which means we get to have life and we get to have life to the full in the here and now. We get to experience the kingdom of heaven here on earth today, which is just incredible. And that's where we, where we move from the natural to the supernatural. So, you know, we when we talk about all of this, it's what reminds me of our of our beginnings, Jess, to yeah. get to finally answering your question. This feeling of being sort of trapped in a low day bar season and then finding freedom and knowing that I'm his all started back in 2016. Um, we had invited uh, my suddenly single and homeless sister-in-law and her two toddler sons to come live in our bonus room. Uh, just until she got her family back on their feet. Um, and our two girls were tweens. So I was not used to the boy noise of, of these little toddler tornadoes that were running around our house. And I was working from home full time for a family nonprofit. And so the stress of like all the family, all the time compounded really quickly. I feel like and a lot of people th- can relate to that right now. <laughs> oh, 100%. That is so true. Working from home, family all the time. <laughs> Yeah, that is so true. Gosh, I didn't even think of that. You're so right. That's so right now. Um, But yeah, so one morning I was just, you know, like zoning out, scrolling through Facebook, and I was just trying to like 
maybe distract myself in an unhealthy way or like calm my irritability. And um, I was had been having these sort of like self-righteous rants, you know, in my head of like just really off. And I knew it. And I was just trying to break that. And so I'm scrolling and I come across this article. And the title of the article is A Calm and Collected Chicago Apartment. And it was like you could hear like, like the tires screeching in my brain. And I was like, that is what I want. That's what I want for my home. That's what I want for myself. And I was in this place of kind of waiting and watching for the perfect time to help my sister-in-law launch. And we were getting closer to that place. And so I was starting to dream about getting our house back in order. And my mind kind of went through every room in our room of our house, dreaming about, um, how I could make it feel more calm and collected like this apartment in the apartment therapy article, which I still, to this day, I say that apartment therapy is a source of spiritual insight. So yeah. go look for it. Um, but anyway, so I had these like kind of light and airy dreams that were starting to form. And, and the more I thought about the house, the more I realized that it's what I wanted for me. I wanted mm. myself to be calm and collected And as I read these sentences, they were so like artfully crafted. The writing was impeccable. And they were describing different elements of this apartment. And I noticed that I was starting to replace some of the words about the spaces with words that depicted a woman, Mm. me, I guess, the woman I wanted to be. So here, I'm going to read a few of the sentences. She's full of possibility, and her openness gives one a distinct feeling that she's ready and waiting for beautiful things to come. I mean, come on. That's good. I mean, this is talking about a room, but somehow I made it about myself. Leave it to me. Like a masterfully crafted piece of music, one begins to see themes that naturally carry from one season to another, producing subtle harmonies throughout the years. Each commitment is deeply considered, but the end result is not a formal, overly calculated, untouchable woman. Instead, Tia achieves a beautiful, relaxed rhythm of life that invites lingering and exploring. In the last sentence, she's cozy and inviting, but thanks to her minimalist choices, she still manages to blend seamlessly with the tranquility of the world beyond herself. And so I, I mean, it's so good. But and it's so idealistic, and yes. like we could dive into perfectionistic thinking so easily if we let ourselves, and that is not the point. And that's when the Lord started pointing out to me, like, wait, go back and look at these pictures. And I noticed that there were like, there was so much evidence of the home actually being lived in. Um, a lot of the house was decorated with with hand me downs and like thrifted finds. Uh, I could see in the bedroom, there were like the sheets were hanging out from underneath the the comforter and lamp cords were just hanging in plain sight. Um, the, the TV was like on a catty corner side table that had been kind of like Im- an improvised TV stand in the corner. Um, there were all kinds of like, ho- like homemade art pieces and what I'm guessing were probably like artifacts and things they'd collected from past travels, but but the walls were mostly undressed, um, and it was it was just f- very far from perfect. But the per- imperfections were right there in plain sight, even for this magazine spread. And then these empty spaces 
that I saw just felt so intentional. And that's, that's what it hit, what hit me, the intention in the empty spaces. I wanted to, to build a life of intention, mm. a life of purpose, meaning, and that like effortless peace, you know, the peace of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think that God highlighted all the imperfections in the photos as a way of giving me permission to be who I am and to make choices that grant the same freedom to everybody else around me, you know? And He showed me that a life of intention is found when we do leave some empty space. If every moment of every single day is filled, where are we going to find the freedom to have peace? Where are we going to take time to actually plan and be intentional and, and reflect and evaluate the past? So what I read in that article just kind of gave me a glimpse of my heavenly design. And what I noticed in those photos helped me accept the realities of life on earth. Um, and that's the the tension that we have to exist in, right? Like mm-hmm. everyday existence in the natural, but we have this very acute awareness of what's happening in the supernatural. And we have to let Jesus transform the things of this earth into the things of heaven. And we get to carry Christ, which is the catalyst for that transformation. And I'm still so excited about it. Yeah. So yeah, that I I'm still kind of stunned that I didn't put together the the low day bar I was in when collected began and then looking at 2020 here on our anniversary episode. That's that's wild. Yeah. We're right back around full circle, yeah, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, and to those of you listening, if you didn't know the meaning of our the name of our podcast and the name of the whole ministry, um, hopefully that gives you a little context for what we mean yeah. by collected, that we don't yeah. expect you to have it all together and be collected all the time, but collected is the heart behind this idea of resting in the Lord and discovering who He created you to be to carry out your unique purpose. Absolutely. Um, and it was inspired by apartment therapy, which just makes I mean, me so happy. <laughs> Yeah, the word I dug into the word "collected" immediately after I read the article, and and it has stuck with me ever since. Obviously, we built a whole ministry on this word, but it means to not be perturbed or distracted. Mm. And we in this this era of the history of the Earth, maybe more than any other time, though those in history are probably nodding their heads no in their graves, yeah. <laughs> are distracted and frustrated. We are in a chronic state of offense. We are always frustrated about something and totally distracted by our screens and our busyness and comparison and all these things that exist over there in Lodebar. But we have to focus our eyes on Christ and mm-hmm. move to the King's table. Yeah. And the last thing I kind of wanted to end on with this whole story of Mephibosheth and David is that one of the main things that was holding Mephibosheth back was also this inaccurate view of David, where Mm. he was afraid to go because he viewed David as a threat, as someone who wanted to harm him and all of these negative things. And I think that when we have an inaccurate view of our King, of God, mm-hmm. that holds us back from fully experiencing who He really is. He's a totally. God of mercy and kindness and grace and love. And so I think our inaccurate view 
of the king can lead to an inaccurate view of who we are as well. Oh, yeah. And we'll seek after the things that we actually already have access to because we're trying to fill the gap on our own. And so that's Mm -hmm. what you were talking about, this space between that's where Jesus steps in and he's the bridge to show us who the Father is and to grant us that access to the things of heaven. But so often we fill that with the things of this earth because of our inaccurate view of God. That is true. I wonder what kinds of things we we kind of hide in, you know, mm-hmm. Mephibosheth was hiding in Lodabar. So like, what are we hiding from? Or what do we choose to hide ourselves behind because of our inaccurate view or, or of God or even of ourselves? Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe that's something, listeners, you can think on this week. Is it is it people-pleasing? Um. Is it wrong wrong motives that you're not choosing to accept? Is it <clears throat> comparison? Is it shame? Avoidance? Yeah. Just numbing your mind? Yeah. Think about mm. it. Pray about it. See what the Lord reveals. Well, guys, yeah. we are so grateful for you. We are so excited to have been able to share just like a nugget of our event content with you. And we are walking and declaring that we're going to have events in 2021. Yes, <laughs> we will. We have to. The world I is going so open. much. Oh, me too. This was so good. I mean, it was so energizing just to go through this again, you know? Mm-hmm. And and, and every retreat different. is different. Yeah. I was yep. <laughs> about to say the same thing. You've heard this now, so we won't do this again. <laughs> yeah, you probably won't ever hear it like this again. Yeah. And and we even at this retreat, I remember just we pivoted so hard because of a move of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in the moment. And I love it. I live for that. I love it when that happens. When we're like, guess what, guests? This is going somewhere new, so let's see what happens. But yeah, if you're interested in having collected, come to your community and host an event and provide one day, three days, however long you're looking to be fed um, and help your community build kingdom culture, we would love to be a part of that. If you want to reach out to us at info at collectedministries.org and just find out what that looks like. Just start mm-hmm. a conversation with us. We don't have to have dates. We don't have to have locations. Let's just start dreaming together because I know that the Lord wants us to jump back into this. Um, he wouldn't put this stirring in us and this desire to be gathering in community and, and making sure that people do understand their true identity in Christ and that they're walking in their divine purpose and yeah. growing in their capacity for mature relationships. Um, if he didn't intend for us to, to act on it. So please reach out to us. Again, it's info at collectedministries.org if you want to learn more about an event in 2021. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to tell you about before we wrap season two, uh, we are launching this Sunday, we are launching a bonfire store. Now, nonprofits like us don't have a ton of capital sitting around. And so bonfire is a service that lets you order by piece. So when someone places an order for a t-shirt or a tote bag or a sweatshirt, they hold those orders and let them accumulate for two weeks during our campaigns. And then at the end of two weeks, they ship them all out. 
But we can reopen another campaign just as soon as anybody is interested again. And so we're going to continually make this merchandise available to you. It is so fresh and fun. It is not like anything you've seen from us before. And I know you guys are going to love it. Long sleeve t-shirts, short sleeve t-shirts, hoodie sweatshirts, v-neck t-shirts, tote bags, Um, we're so excited to share this with you. So please be on the lookout on our social media for our new merch that drops on Sunday, this Sunday. Yay! I'm so excited. Yes, me too. And as always, if you want to give, we would love to have your financial contribution and your prayers. Please pray for us. We always, always, always need your prayers. Um, But your financial partnership matters too. It's what keeps the episodes dropping here on the podcast and helps the content flowing on social media. So um, collectedministries.org slash donate if you would like to give. And if you can't give right now, you can give to us non-financially by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. (laughs) That is a huge gift to us um, because it helps us get noticed and picked up by other people. And um, it's really important to help our podcast grow and continue to reach more people. Yes. And if you have a business that that reaches people who need to know who they are and who are walking in their purpose and can function in healthy, mature relationships, maybe you want to advertise that business on the Collected Podcast. So if you're interested in marketing opportunities, please reach out to us. Again, info at collectedministries.org. And that's all of the admin kind of things we have for you today. Yes. We love you Thank very you. much. Thank yes. you for listening every week, every other week. Um, we really Thanks appreciate for an awesome it. Awesome season two. Mm-hmm. It was we'll, awesome. We'll be back in two weeks with season three. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as a dollar a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, giveaways, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.